that's why I got into this business because I really wanted more time and flexibility. I really am passionate about helping these busy business owners help achieve what I've achieved. Like I've got that time back. I went surfing this morning and I want them to be able to do that. The solution's simple. They can only reach a certain level of scale unless they bring in an operator and get their life span. Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde, and in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. I am joined by my new friend. Lloyd Thompson today. Lloyd, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tim. Okay. So Lloyd, you have over 20 years of experience in the corporate sector across technical leadership roles and decided that that was enough and you were going slightly brain dead and sort of jumped into the small business sector. You're skilled in people management, project operations and process improvement, and you found an opportunity to deliver your director of operations expertise at a fractional basis to smaller and more agile businesses. I know you now serve diverse online businesses, mainly in marketing agencies and e-commerce, also in coaching, education, and real estate. Now, you've had, like me, a huge amount of experience in different industries and found that largely challenges are similar as we grow. Owners get overwhelmed with routine tasks, people management issues, and inefficient operations, right? And that's where you come in and you, you know, transform them, right? So you enjoy a fast-paced online business environment, applying effective and simple solutions learned in corporate world, minus the bureaucracy, which I absolutely love. Now, you've also published nine ways to leave your day-to-day operations, and we'll talk about that and we'll link to that in the show notes, guiding business owners on identifying operational blind spots and the benefits of delegating to a director of operations, which I love. (laughs) A little bit of a mouthful there, but awesome. I love it. We were just talking off air a few moments ago about the importance of actually getting out of your own way in business, but often we don't have, I don't know, a trusted advisor, a trusted confidant, a trusted go-to right-hand girl, guy in the business to hand over. They, we can probably put a a right-hand (laughs) lady in the business to hand over to. Why is it that you think that people don't have that person in the business? I think that a business owner, typically, they've started the business themselves and they've got used to running everything and they struggle to let go of the reins. So they've, if they've grown sort of organically and they hired a couple of people and they're delegating and well, actually, that's not necessarily true. I'd say they do a lot of deciding and giving tasks to people, but for a long time, they control the reins and then they struggle to let go and they only let go when the pain is really high. So what I've seen is that people with teams of less than five, they're managing that. When it's five to 10, they're starting to feel the pain and they really should start to bring other people in to help them out running their team. But when they've got over 10 members of staff, 
they are seriously overwhelmed with tasks. And actually, if they're not careful, their business will go backwards because how can they scale if they don't bring someone in to start running the rhythms of the business? So- Is that a function of having a like a, a management structure that's too flat? Yeah, it is. And I think Jeff Bezos uses his two pizza rule, which I think is like, if you've got more people than you can feed two pizzas with, you should probably make another team out of it. Simple. So it's normally about seven people. I'd say with me, I could eat two pizzas myself, actually. But you know, the prin- <laughs> the principle is if it's too flat, yeah, you need to put in a bit of structure. I actually really like that. It's, a, it's an interesting concept. I think you know, if your team, and not necessarily the, the size of your company, if your team that you directly re- manage and report to, you can't feed with two pizzas and and maybe a bottle of wine or two. You know, you probably yeah, start profound, you know, isn't it? I've actually never really thought about that. That's actually super <laughs> profound. And it's kind of blown me away a bit to think, you know, how many people have I had on my teams? And like you, I came out of corporate. I I was in project management side of stuff and, you know, looking at the size of the teams we would have had, right? And at various stages, I would have led, you know, and we'll, we'll put the sort of air quotes around this, we would have led teams of up to 120, 130 people delivering a, a wow. project. Yeah. And there's no way that I would have tried to manage all of those people directly yeah. Without yeah. subordinate reporting structure in place. But I hadn't actually considered the two pizza rule. I sure you'd like that. Well, the first customer I had, a friend referred me to this guy and he was running a big e-commerce and he had a team of 50 and it was flat. It amazed me. I mean, there was a little bit of kind of internal structure, but it wasn't clear and laid out. And so the owner was doing 16-hour days running on adrenaline, just scattergunning people with tasks. And it's kind of became a vicious circle because for him to put in some kind of structure would require him to spend some more time and he couldn't do that. So he just kept carrying on and carrying on and carrying on. And it's actually, that's a really extreme case, but it's a common trend that I see when I'm typically working with people of 10 to 30 staff. I come in and see that the business owner is basically, yeah, running a flat team and delegating to all these people themselves and not properly handing over the reins and putting in structures and saying who's accountable for what. What was it about your corporate experience that you start to go, this is the thing that I'm seeing in corporate that people don't really delegate properly, that you suddenly, for whatever reason, go, bugger this, this is something that the private sector needs, having not worked in the <laughs> private sector before? Well, there's, we're going to go down a rabbit hole here, Tim. <laughs> I think in my life at that time, I was just thinking for myself, I really, I've been in corporate for 20 years. There must be something else where I can add more value and in different circumstances where I've got better time and location flexibility. And I didn't know what that was. And I was thinking, maybe I can go back to contracting again, but how's that going to work? As in, am I going to have to go to client sites all the time? Or maybe I can work for a small business or is it going to be remote? And then COVID happened. And for a lot of people, obviously, that was life-changing in negative ways for many people. But also for many people, working from home became a norm. And for me, I had been running large remote teams for years. And so that was something I was really comfortable with. And even my team that were located in Sydney, where I live, I'd got them onto laptops a couple of years before. Like They had got off big PCs so that they could run and work. They could just work at home a couple of times a week. This was way before COVID. So when COVID happened, I thought, I wonder if there is a way that I could start up some kind of remote business. And in my, sur- in my hobby life, I'm a surfer. I go surfing in the morning and I started giving surf reports at some point. And this thing took off and did a surf report this morning. I've got a, probably 100 plus people who listen to my unreliable surf report in the morning. And <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it reliable. It's just, oh, it was about this big. Take a 
longboard or a foamy or something like that. These are the people I saw see you in the water. It's about a half half shortboard swell today. Yeah. (laughs) Roughly. It's a great community thing I've been doing. And I've met loads of people through that. And while doing that surf report, I started to meet people in the sea. And one of them is a business coach called James Shramko. And I just knew he was a business coach because I'd see this stuff on Instagram and he'd been following my surf page and listening to my surf report. And I just said to him one day, I said, oh, look, no, you're a business coach. What can I do? You know, these are my skills. I've been working with remote teams for years. Right. So you're and, just you floating know, around in a swell at this stage, just, you know, shooting. This is just floating around on the board, having a chit chat, waiting for a wave. And, you know, ideas started brewing. We kept going. And then he said, hey, you sound like an integrator. And I said, what? That sound like a technical term. He said, no, 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 read this book, Rocket Fuel, and that talks about a visionary and an integrator. And the visionary is typically that person who's focused on strategy, relationships, closing the deals. And the integrator is the person who makes it happen, runs a team, makes sure it runs like a well-oiled machine. And so I read this book by Gino Wickman, who also wrote Traction. I read this book, and it was instantly clear to me that I was an integrator, been doing it for years. And so this conversation with James went, well, I think you could be an integrator remotely and I think you could help people who I serve because I know, you know, and he referred me to the guy who had the team of 50 as my first client on a fractional basis. So the idea being that they pay a retainer and I could serve a few clients on a small monthly retainer and that was the birth of this business. So I had this idea. I've been in corporate. I wanted to do something else. I resigned. Unfortunately, I had a lot of savings. I was just thinking, I'm going to do something else. Didn't have anything lined up. I was just going to take time off. And then when I told James, I said, hey, I'm ready to go. He said, right. You know, I've got a client that you should just have a chat with and see if you can solve his problem for him. And I could. And that was the first client. And then eventually I had two others, slightly different. One was an, an SEO business. Another one was a marketing business. And that was when I started to evolve my offer. And when I got to four clients, I realized that, well, I can't do four myself. It's just too much. I'd hired a, a VA to take on administrative tasks and repetitive things. What sort uh, of time frame is that? I mean, how quickly did you get to four clients? And Within seven months. Okay, not too bad. So you pretty much replaced your corporate income and then some within seven months by yourself and still getting out to serve. Yeah. I mean, it was a funny it, the, when it was three clients. Myself, I was making more than my corporate income comfortably. And then when I started to eventually backfill myself with staff I was hiring, it dipped down again. But then the trade-off is time. I now have much more time and I'm able to provide value to my team of director of operations now. And I can say, I mean, I'm hiring people who I think have got better skills or different skills to me. But then I'm able to offer them a service by there. They'll talk about a different situation they're having with a client. Oh, you know, Fred and Jane have had a disagreement or there's this system we want to put in place. And I now support them. We soundboard ideas and that's how we serve our client. So it's just evolved like that. Mm. I know you've got a team on now doing well and you've got lots of clients in the US. How do you find, you know, where you're at? I mean, are you the director of operations in your team or do you, and now you're getting to the point where you don't need... It's a great question. I'm not yet at the point where I need a director of operations for my team because I'm kind of like a coach for my team. So it can scale for quite a bit yet, but there will become a point where um, it will get to a point where I would take one of my internal director of operations and then have them replace me. Yeah, it's an interesting one. All still virtual for you? Is is the team, you know? Oh, yes. Or are they all virtual? Yeah, everybody's virtual. So the teams that I'm supporting... 
the businesses that I'm supporting mostly are in the US and Canada. And so my director of operations are located across US and Canada. And then I've got a support team locally in the Philippines. Yeah. And I've had clients in Australia and I've got a client still in the UK. It kind of doesn't matter where the client is as long as we can manage their team remotely and the time zones work well with the folks who are serving them. So that's really one of the early questions when I'm working with a client. I say, okay, where are you? What's the time zone? And then most importantly, what time zone do you actually work? Because quite often that person's got a team that's globally based as well. They might be in New York, but they're working different hours to New York. Yeah, I, I must admit, I've tried that myself. And, and again, the conversation that we were having, you know, just pre-recording was, you know, entrepreneurship is not fulfillment. And I think we get caught up thinking that we need to be the person who does the thing for the client, you know, to yeah. meet the certain standard that we want to do. And as you said, you know, we're talking Alan Weiss. Alan Weiss isn't necessarily the guy that stands in the boardroom and delivers his thing. You're not necessarily the guy who stands in the, you know, sits in front of a Zoom call or a Teams call or a, a Google Meets and delivers the sort of the thing. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you find good people and they can deliver, you know, your program, if you've systemized it enough to get 80% there, you know, it allows that 20% of creativity that they can bring to the table as well. What I've discovered along the way, and I've definitely had some lessons along the way too, is it's a little bit like dating. So I've got my values and I hire people based on my values as well as the skills that I'm looking for. But you've also got to find the right culture fit for the client and the clients can have exceptionally different cultures. So I remember trying to backfill myself of a client and that was a mistake. You know, I shouldn't have tried to do that. I should have just let that one ride out to the end. But I tried to replace myself with a director of operations. And while they had fantastic skills and ended up placing them with another client, and they'd been an absolute rock star, they were very different culture to the client that I was fitting them with. It just didn't match. You know, the client was very much, they wanted to be able to make decisions fast, even if they made mistakes. They didn't really want, they just wanted to go, let's just, just make a decision. Whereas the person that I placed there was way more analytical and consultative. And so they ended up being an amazing fit for a business where they had a team which were really careful and considered and they'd want to do much more analysis before they made a decision. So it's a really interesting, you know, mix about how this thing evolves and yeah, just getting the hiring right is super important. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point you make there. You know, as we grow our team and, and maybe evolve out of, you know, a lot of people sort of get into personal brands, right? You know, start your business and you call your business your name. It's Tim Hyde Consulting. It's Lloyd Tompkins Consulting, right? You know, but if we, when we want to transform the brand to ultimately grow into, you know, a name like Virtual DOO or, or win more clients, it can't be you being the person who has to turn mm. up to every single client meeting. Right, it has to be you leading a team and being able to step back and let your team shine in order for them to grow the business. And I did that yesterday. I actually had a couple of mates over playing board games while my team went and met with someone, you know, to work out some delivery. And I find out this morning. I hope it went really well. I think it went well, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was, it's possibly one of the first times that normally I would have sat in on that meeting mm. to talk about content direction. And I've gone, no, nah, I'm deliberately going to step out of that meeting and let the team have the opportunity to you know, to shine. And if we don't let our teams have the opportunity to shine, they can't surprise us. Well, they can't yeah. disappoint us either, but they can't also surprise us. I find that I'm involved the most during the onboarding periods where I'm going to understand from the client what the culture of their team is and what their challenges are. 
And then I think, okay, which operator is going to be best for this person? And then I introduce them to that operator, have a conversation, see if they gel, see if I think they're going to be a match. And then that's it. This thing is that, you know, that operator is going to be the driver for that client. And I'm now behind the scenes supporting them. My team is supporting them. And now I'm I'm not on the hook to be in all those meetings, but I'm there to sort of deliver value if I can find a way. Oh, it's really interesting your clients talking about this. I know we can bring in another person who's got a specific set of skills to help them out with that particular problem. That's where I can add value. Yeah. Well, you know, you never want to be in the demo where awesome surf day client meeting. Ah, which one would we do? <laughs> <laughs> like that, to be honest, that's the beauty about being the boss. Right? You know, when you own your own business, you have that freedom of choice. And if you can't choose because you're the person delivering to a client, well, maybe you need to rethink that. And I think that that whole director of operations person is the person who comes in and organizes your delivery capability. Yeah. I mean, way. that's why I got into this business because I really wanted more time and flexibility. And so, you know, I really am passionate about helping these busy business owners help achieve what I've achieved. Like I've got that time back. I went surfing this morning and I want them to be able to do that. And to me, I quite often the solution's simple. You know, trust and delegate to someone else who's going to systemize and run your team. You know, this sounds simple. Quite often, it's hard for that business owner to let go of the reins. Quite often, that business owner has been delegating or trying to delegate something, but they're not trusting their team to deliver. And they don't necessarily know how to properly hand over. They can only reach a certain level of scale unless they bring in an operator. And then, you know, they can get their lives back. Yeah. I'm curious, what do you reckon the biggest mistake people make around, I guess, operations? You know, the thing mm-hmm. that you come in and solve most often, right? and I know one of them is not letting go, but what do you reckon the biggest mistake is that mm-hmm. people have think, with their operational capability? Yeah. I think the classic visionary has a bazillion ideas and that's their superpower. Like That's probably how they started their business. They had a product that was great, but they come up with so many ideas and they want to try and do all of them. And as a result, they're trying to spin 100 plates and they cook nothing. And so where they really need help is prioritizing and focusing on the things that really move the needle the most. And so that's where having an operator work with them and say, look, what's really going to move the needle? What's our unique ability here? Let's focus on that. What's the three most important objectives that we're going to focus on this week? One, two, three. Everything else is gravy. Get that done. But just really focusing on what matters. And I think you need quite often these visionaries need an operator who can soundboard them and kind of keep them within sensible limits and make sure they are going to keep on track towards the goals that really matter. Okay, so it's, it's the, the lack of execution to completion. Yeah, and prioritization of the things that really matter, like what really move the needle. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important thing. I, you know, one of the practices that I've gotten into from my coaches, John Logar, is pretty keen on at the moment. It's sort of, you, know, you know, every day come in and write down three things, right? Of all the priorities you've got, right? You can probably have a list of 100 priorities every single day, but just write down three things that are today's priority. It doesn't matter what they are even, to be honest. One of them has to be an income generating activity. Yeah, that's great. And then stick it in your calendar, right? And it's not done until it's done, right? I had a very similar practice. I literally come in and first, you know, walk past my whiteboard as I walk into my office and literally write down the one thing I need to do today for today to be successful. And if I haven't left the office by five o'clock, all right, haven't done that, I stay until I do that thing. Yeah, But ideally, what I'm trying to do is get that thing done fast and then I can knock off. Yeah. 
I love that. If everyone in the team was to, you know, do the same exercise, just write down everything you need to do, right? Circle three things that are the priority, one of which is income generating. Do those and then you can go home. And it also gives you so much more feeling of purpose when you do that, because if you were to look at try and complete everything, you'd have a load of things that are probably not important. But when you're prioritizing those top three and the the one big thing that you're going to cross off, once you've crossed off that one big thing, you really feel like you've achieved something. I totally get that. I follow the same process myself. Yeah, It's super powerful. Let's talk systems on how you create leverage in getting clients. And I know referrals massively important for you because people talk, right? Mm -hmm. While you're sitting around on that surfboard, people chat. And if I didn't live in land, I'd probably go and surf just to go and meet other business owners who are also surfing. (laughs) Oh, it worked for me. (laughs) Talk to me about how you have systemized your referral process. Yeah. So about three months in, because it takes, although we're going to look for delivering low hanging fruit as quick as possible, the first month you were really in a sort of discovery and audit phase. So around about month three, that's when the business owners are going, okay, my investment's really paying off here, like installing an operator, they're starting to see their time come away. That's the time where I normally go to them and I just say, and this is like wearing an account manager hat myself. I say, who else do you know who has a problem like this that I can solve this for? Or I might ask for a testimonial like, hey, do you reckon you could just send me three sentences and to tell me about my business and you know what, what your feedback is and would you be happy for me to share that? And that is a very simple system that results in testimonials and customers. And that's basically, go on. I was going to say, what do you do? I mean, you said about three months. Do you have a, like, do you put it in a calendar? Do you have an automation that says, oh, Lloyd, it's time to ask for testimonials? I have an an Asana task. Once I've had the kickoff at the beginning, I have an Asana task three months in and my team member will in the Philippines will hassle me to do it. <laughs> it is though, right? I think if we don't create a process around it, right? So if it's that three months where you know that you provided value to a customer mm. that you then ask, right? And so if you as you know, you you're right, you know, it's a first month of getting everything sort of embedded in, right? Customers not really seeing too many results just yet. You know, second month you start to get into a cadence. By month three, you should be starting to yeah. deliver some sort of value and see some sort of results. Well, you know, 90 days in, ding, there's that task. You know, there's the VA hassling you to say, oi, this is outstanding. We had a really interesting conversation with a, a customer the other day. 90 days in, they had a conversation with one of their customers and their customers say, hey, look, this ad campaign that they'd been running for them, been going really, really well. And they said, what else have you got? And they said, oh, we can run your email campaign for you. And I said to him, well, <laughs> I said to my client, do you have a system for that? Like, you should really make sure that, 90 days, you're making sure that you're, well, you know, what other opportunities have you missed out on by not having a system in place there? And so now they're starting to look more into their CRM for opportunities because there's so much data in there that can tell you where you can find and tweak your offer in your CRM. Like, you know, if there was a customer left, why did they leave? Did they leave because it was too much? They decided to in-house it? You know, was it bad performance? If it's bad performance, you want to fix that. And it was all sorts of things that they can do by looking at their data, including putting triggers to reach out for customers and offering them other products that are similar. Or, yeah, you know, pretty in- simple pretty simple process just to say, right, 90 days, ask this question. 180 days, ask this question. On exit, ask this question, you know, yeah. and find out a bit more. I think that's super powerful, you know, just having that onboarding process. Again, part of your operations, 
part automation and systemization that can really transform how you operate your business uh, for better results, not just for you, but for your clients as well. Mm. And I also quite like to send them books as well. Like around that time, if I've seen along the way through the conversation with them certain challenges they have, I go back to my list of books that I've read and I thought, what would the client really like that's going to help them solve this problem? You know, like what would they learn that would be helpful? And then I send them a book and it's, yeah. it's, it's personal. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. You know, just that simple, you know, it's almost a little bit wow. Right. I just was just thinking of you. Here it is. You know, just thinking of you because my CRM told me that it was time to think of you. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> but I was just thinking of you. You might enjoy this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's look to wrap up, Lloyd. And I think you've provided some absolute value bombs and not just, just pizzas here. Right. We know you start you try to start each morning with your surf report and the surfing, but what else is in your morning routine that really sets you up for success in the day? <laughs> is coffee too cliche? I'm gonna wake up <laughs> I'm gonna wake up in the morning and I'm gonna get some endorphins pumping through me. So it's normally gonna start with push-ups. And even due my, when I was incredibly overweight, I had a phase where I was 20 kilos heavier, I was still doing my push-ups every day. And so I've got this incredible record of doing push-ups every day since I was 15. And that is a really good like mental wake up, get the endorphins pumped, like roll out of bed straight to it. If my calendar's clear, I go for a surf. And so now as part of 2024, I'm just making sure that I've cleared that first hour a day by going surfing because again, it's mental state. I feel like I've achieved something and I am so much more productive when I come back from that. you know. And it also by getting up early to go surfing, forces me to go to bed at a reasonable time as well. And so this really is a part of productivity. NASA did a study into human performance and they showed that if you want to improve your productivity by 10%, get 10% more sleep because most people are sleep deprived. So simple things and it has a, a knock-on effect. Yeah, that's awesome. And I really love that sort of that quick win, right? If it's push-ups, right, do 20 push-ups. If you can't do 20 push-ups, do 10. If you can't do 10, do two. Yeah. But then build it up and you get that sort of quick win. And as you say, all right, it starts to clear you out. You start to feel a bit more limber and, you know, and capable. And then when you get to your day job, right, you can kind of achieve more as a result. Where do you turn when you feel stuck? So I think being an entrepreneur can be a bit of a lonely sport because you're the person steering the ship and deciding where you want to go. And sometimes you do get stuck. So for me, there's two places. I'm in a community of entrepreneurs and so i'll consult them and i've got friends on whatsapp in this space who are also business owners and we've got different skills you know some are marketers and some are own e-coms and i'll just ask them you know what, what would you do about this or you know how would you structure this deal or offer so community is really important but then i also have a business coach and not only did my business coach help me set up this business and start me off with my first client but yeah shout out to so james James Shramko, yeah, and he would have trod this path already. And you know how I've structured my deal in the sense that I'm on a retainer; it's a month-to-month subscription. It's great for the client because they're only on the hook for a month, and they can decide if they're getting value each month and carry on. It's good for me because I've got a subscription that runs and until they decide they want to stop. It's simple, but it's how my business has been built. So having a community and having a business coach or mentor. Yeah, I think that's such an important. You know, those two things and having that peer group that you can sort of sounding board against, right? And that mastermind, I think, is incredibly valuable 
right? Because someone is going to have perspective. Someone's going to have done it before. And likewise, having a business coach who can come in specifically laser focused and saying, I can see that's an issue. And not necessarily because they've seen it in your business before, but chances are they've either seen it in their own business or in the clients that they've worked with. Mm. And they've been able to experiment with someone else's business in a sense and apply that learning to yours as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, lastly, 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 what do you think is the most important lesson that you've learned over your career? I think in recent times with having this business, there's a great quote I heard from someone, you either have success or a lesson. And you, as a business owner, you're going to have a whole heap of lessons. And they've already spoken about the importance of having community and a mentor. That point I mentioned earlier about hiring. So in corporate world, I was always hiring for me. It was my team. You know, they're going to be this fit in this team. I was the customer. But now I'm hiring not just for me, I'm hiring for clients. And that was a sort of an early mistake. And I'm glad I made it because I won't make that mistake again. But now I spend much more time with the client understanding not just what they need from a technical perspective, but understanding what their team dynamic is. And it's something I think a lot of people overlook. Like if I put someone in, are they going to fit in there? Are they going to be right? It's not just who's got capacity. It's like, are they really going to gel? And that has made a huge difference. Hiring is something that I've been doing for years, but just making that point, it needs to be a culture fit for the client as well. It's not just about me. It was something I missed. Yeah, but hugely valuable lesson. Lloyd, thanks for joining us today. I know we can find you online at virtualdoo.com. There's a bunch of interviews and FAQs there that you can find out a huge amount of information about operating your business or how, I know, Lloyd, you're pretty shameless in in sharing your tips and advice. I do encourage you, if you think you would get value from a conversation with Lloyd, and I'm sure just about everyone listening would, reach out again at virtualdoo.com. Links will be in the show notes. Lloyd, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. And again, Virtual DOO, there's an awesome checklist that you've got on your website around revenue operations, virtualdoo.com forward slash checklist. Lloyd, I'm going to put some of the lessons that you've shared with me today into action in my business during the rest of today. So it's been brilliant, mate. Fantastic. Your time and advice. Thanks so much for having me. Guys, thanks again for joining us on another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Hopefully you'll take some of today's lessons and apply them into yours and create more value for your team, more value for your clients you'll serve and definitely create opportunities for yourself and for your family. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for coming. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.